Welcome to Mind Matters News. I'm your winning host, Robert J. Marks. I teach a graduate course in probability and stochastic processes. There I teach the stupidity of casino gambling. In statistics, there's a theorem called the law of large numbers. It teaches you can't win in the long run at casino games, period. The law of large numbers is a mathematical truth. It's a law as serious as the law of gravity. It's why casinos always get rich and the gambler always gets poor. There is a chance that you will win the lottery or win a million dollars jackpot in the casino, but there's also a chance you will get hit by falling space debris while juggling. In games like roulette or craps, there are no winning streaks. When played fairly, there is no chance of winning in the long run. It's a mathematical law. I tell people it's better if you give your money to me and I'll decide whether or not to give it back. You have a better chance of walking away with money in your pocket. Our guest to talk about this today is Sal Cordova. Sal is an interesting guy. He has degrees in mathematics, electrical engineering, computer science. He has a master's degree in applied physics from Johns Hopkins University. And he's done a lot of graduate studies, a lot of graduate work in biology at the National Institutes of Health. And the reason we have Sal here is because he has made money card counting as part of his career. And um, that's going to be that's going to be an interesting interesting thing to talk about because he knows about gambling and knows about these law of large numbers. So, welcome, Sal. Oh, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to have you. Now, you are from the Philippines, right? Yes. Okay, and you are you have a Spanish name. Why, why, why are the Spanish in the Philippines? They were conquered by the the Spanish. Yeah, and they just got taken over. And so I ended up having a Spanish name because the Spanish culture invaded that Asian island. So that's just kind of the story behind it. I, I do get funny looks when people don't know what I look like. And then they see me, it's like, oh, I was expecting to see someone Hispanic, not someone that looks Asian. Okay. And so usually if you do see people that have Asian features, but a Spanish name like mine, Salvador Tuana Cordova, He's probably now, wait, Filipino. Wait, wait, you only have three names. I thought in Spain, Spain you had four names. Oh, my – well, I just gave you my legal name. My full birth <laughs> name was Angel Salvador Tuana Cordova. Okay. I'm trying to pronounce it like someone from Latin America. I can't imitate their accent perfectly. Okay. Well, great. As I mentioned, casinos always win. Um, one of the things that you know about, which I want to talk about, is the history of gambling. Uh, in the mid-20th century, there were two geniuses from, I think they were both from Bell Labs. And, and MIT, and oh, as well okay. as MIT. Shannon was with Bell Labs, and he did a lot of work at uh, MIT. So Thorpe was with MIT. MIT, yes. Yeah, so it was it was Claude Shannon and Thorpe. And um, one of the things they did is they were wore one of the first body-worn computers into a casino, and they tried to gamble with it. Tell us about that. That's kind of a famous team because of who they were. Claude Shannon, obviously, was the one who authored Shannon's Theory of Information, and that uh, through him, they coined the word bit. Yes. And so information theory and the internet and the modern information age owes a lot to Claude Shannon. And at Edward Oakley Thorpe, probably um, a very successful hedge fund manager, he should have won the Nobel Prize in economics because he independently arrived at the Black-Scholes equation for options pricing. Really? So instead of being an academic, 
he, what he quietly used his knowledge, he became a very successful hedge fund manager, which is the casino of the stock market. So these are basically two guys that were. <laughs> I've never heard of that. The, yes. The, okay. It's the casino. He wrote. Of the he stock wrote. Okay. Thorpe wrote the book "Beat the Dealer," which was how to beat the casinos. But he also wrote the book "Beat the Market." Okay. And he actually did beat the market. So he applied gambling theory in two in two venues: one in brick and mortar casinos, and one in the the stock market, which is the giant casino. You know, you shared a, a paper with me, A Favorable Strategy for 21. It was published in 1961. It was published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, which is pretty prestigious. And it was sponsored by Claude Janet. Claude Janet. So, so, so they, were, they were good buddies. So do you know what happened when they wore the computer into, into the casino? Uh, they brought their wives with them, and they the wives were kind of in on this too, and they were going to hit the uh, casinos and run up some winnings, but the computer broke down. And this is in the era before they had really developed VLSI. They did have 1961 technology to be doing some of what they were attempting to do. Certainly, if they had anything uh, transistor-based, you know that the the memory capacity couldn't have been that big. Yeah. So they did attempt to use a little bit of physics prediction to help them estimate the odds and therefore beat roulette. But uh, they were unsuccessful basically because of a technical failure. But it was still the theory of blackjack that Thorpe especially was able to break. Thorpe was the one who was the pioneer of blackjack, figuring out how to beat it, and he spent a year. Uh, That was his research. So that's kind of an interesting research project to to publish in, uh, to to, to publish in how beat how to beat the game, but he was he was he was a math professor at uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and I don't know how he got his department chair to approve that project. But I guess well, you know, when you're in mathematics, especially pure mathematics, you don't expect a lot of external funding because nobody cares what you do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you want to be in applied math if you if you're going to get funding of that sort. So oh, that's I, the other I, thing is yeah. some mathematicians are actually pretty offended if you find some practical use for what exactly. they found. Exactly. So. Yeah, exactly. So I that clearly was not Thorpe. He was he was really looking into doing something with his thought. Yeah, I had heard that they were looking at roulette. I don't know where I read this, but uh, apparently there was if there was any sort of slanting or imbalancing of the roulette wheel there was redundancy in the winnings and they were trying to figure that out now um you know they they were trying to cheat they were trying to game the system i guess maybe that's where gaming gaming the game uh, came from is there any history of uh, casino cheats is there a good way to go in and cheat in casinos at all it's probably not a good idea today because you could get prosecuted for it and oh serious well yeah I guess I guess you could uh, th- there's like there are laws in Las Vegas like if you if you actually now bring computers in and use it to beat the games you could be prosecuted for that I mean s- stuff that is done now is only called cheating by law but you're not really in my book you're not really going against the rules of how to actually play your hands or anything. Uh, so, you know, I've really not looked much into the techniques of cheating because I just didn't want to get prosecuted. Oh, I but see. There, but okay. there has been, um, I'm trying to think of any examples where I knew anyone. I can't think off the top of my hand. Well, you know, I read a, I read a book called uh, Race Hoss. It, it was a story about um, a black in, in southern, southern United States that got sent to prison for terrible things. And 
he was raised, his mother was a prostitute, and he was raised in this uh, terrible house. But one of the things I used to do is gamble a lot. He maintained that he could throw a dice in order to get a high probability of a seven. He literally knew how to throw the dice. But it had to do with something like sliding the dice. Oh, yeah. And you can't do that in Las Vegas anymore, right? Not anymore. They actually passed the law. So just kind of like how gyroscopes work, you have a lot of angular momentum. It, it resists certain motions. And so what they would do, these dice sliders, they'd, they'd throw the dice. They call them dice sliders? Right. So like when you throw a football, you, you, you try to throw it with spin because that helps stabilize it. And, and, and so oh. they, were, they, they were throwing the dice with a lot of spin and then sliding it across the table so it never tumbled. So whatever you set the dice, you know, you just have like a seven on top basically with your two dice. If you could slide the dice, there was no randomizing. And so Las Vegas realized these people were so good at it that uh, they were changing the odds. And so they had, first they passed laws, and then they started to pass rules within the casino. Now, wait, these were not casino laws. These were like state laws or something, or city laws. So it, it, was, it was the Las Vegas laws, then you couldn't dice slide. But then on top of that, the casinos began to put felt so that the, the dice wouldn't slide. And then they put oh. these little pyramids on the ends, and then they forced you to throw the dice in a certain fashion it so has that to bounce against the back wall has to bounce yes it has to and bounce it has to fly you can't slide it yeah so so they made it and then they started to put arresting wires so that if you tried to slide it across from where you are it would hit the arresting wire so they forced you to basically lob it and so oh and then they made so, the, so it's like jumping a hurdle yes oh. and then they made very sharp corners on the dice they got some good physics to count as a countermeasure, but those must have been the glory days of being a craps player. Because if if you're really well practiced at this, uh, you only needed to tilt the odds. Even you didn't even need to do it all the time. If you could just get like maybe a few percent in your favor, uh-huh. you could you could beat the game. Isn't that fascinating? But you know, now, I, now I do recall some instances of cheating where sure. it was prosecuted. It's when the dealer had colluded with the players. So the dealer, yes, so how the dealer could collude with the players, and there's two famous cases. I had to go back into this. Playing what game? Things like blackjack or baccarat. So if the dealer reveals the card, what they call the whole card, it's the card that the players aren't supposed to see. Yes. You know, so the player will make playing decisions based on, if he could make a playing decision based on knowledge he's not supposed to have he has a huge advantage so in blackjack the dealer has what they call a whole card and saying okay this is the card you can't see and after you've finalized your decision as a player then he's going to reveal it and then you find out whether you're going to win or lose and probably he didn't reveal it actually reveal it he probably gave him signs like a third base coach in baseball you know touching well actually he could he could subtly reveal it if uh, with his hands, he could like bend the card a little bit so uh, the player could actually peek and okay, see it. Okay. And in one case, it was really funny. The uh, the casino surveillance noticed that the dealer was dealing out the exact same set of cards each time. He had used the false shuffle. So someone okay, tell tell me about the false shuffle. What's a false shuffle? A false shuffle is where you you, you look like you had actually shuffled the cards, but you didn't. I don't know how th- how that is physically accomplished. 
You have to have good hands. It's kind of magicians are able to do that. And there's a technique where you can make it look like you shuffled the cards, but you didn't. And so he was dealing out the same set of cards each time. And then they were realizing, why are the players so good at predicting what the next card's going to be? Wow. So all they had to do is the dealer would deal out one set of cards and the players would somehow take note of what the cards were. I don't know how they did that. And then the dealer would do a false shuffle and deal out the exact same sequence the next the next time. And when that's done, the player has huge advantage. So the casino bosses began to be suspicious why this particular player was winning so well. Yeah. Like he knew what the next card was going to be. And so they have casino surveillance and they used video cameras and they realized, oh, wow, this is this is how it was being done. And the FBI came in and they prosecuted the guys. Really? So those are the two big instances I know. And this is kind of, kind of interesting to me because it starts to deal with issues of probability and kind of my areas of interest. You know, what's the chances that you could deal the same deck of cards the same way each time? And this 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 relates to things and some of our interest in biology and stuff. And so I was just fascinated. So if, by- I, if, I, if I know Vegas, they had to come up with some sort of rule where the dealer doesn't shuffle or something like that. Uh, is is that true today? How are the how are the decks shuffled for blackjack? Do you know? Does a dealer shuffle them? Uh, it depends on the casino. Yeah. Um, and there's there's some things where it would shuffle the deck, and then he'd put it in something called a shoe. Yes. And it's it's dealt out there, and so they have these automatic uh, shufflers, and then they have these things called uh, continuous shufflers, where uh, uh, after the dealer deals it out he puts it back in the machine and it's it shuffles it with her with the cards in the deck so there there are all sorts of devices that they can use to 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 shuffle or it can be hand shuffled the the preferred method i think would be machine shuffling because it's faster and it can it can randomize the the cards to the standards that the casino would want i see because there are some people that are just savants they'll actually memorize the sequence and if they have a good understanding of the the shuffling techniques, they can start to in, interleave it in their own brain, and then they're able to predict. Like, do you ever watch the movie Rain Man with Dustin Hoffman and I actually Tom never Cruise? saw that one. Yeah, he, well, he, he's a savant, and he goes in, and they're playing twenty one, and he keeps on saying hit or you know skip or something like that. So he knows what's going on. As so those people that can do that are called shuffle trackers. Shuffle trackers. Shuffle trackers. And there's a whole nomenclature for casino oh, yes. gamblers. Oh, yes. There's shuffle trackers. There are, there are ace trackers or card counters. And sometimes you would have teams. Yeah, there are all, there are all these techniques. So you mentioned the law of large numbers. And the casino always wins yeah. with the law of large numbers. So these players that are able to beat the game legally, we would call them advantage players. They actually turn the tables, figuratively speaking, and use the large law of large numbers in their favor. Oh, so tell me about advantage advantage players. I would imagine a card counter would be an advantage, advantage player. Advantage players. Yeah. So uh, there's kind of a um, terminology. It's a little bit derogatory. The advantage players are usually your math guys. And so listen up, all you nerds, right? Yeah, <laughs> listen yeah, to this. Yeah, they're okay. the, they, they they know the odds. They have the proper skills to, to execute it in the casino. And they're able to turn the statistical advantage in their favor because they use their minds. And ordinary gamblers they call ploppies because these guys just kind of plop in their seat. 
and just <laughs> ploppy. Gets, yeah, get get sawed. Okay, get sawed down and beaten down by the casino. They're 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 uh, they're like sheep being sent to the slaughter, and we call them ploppies. ploppies. So you're either a player or a ploppy. I see. I want to be a player. Not a you want to be a player. Yeah. And, and so the advantage player uses his math skills first of all to decide is the game beatable at all. If it's not, then he shouldn't play it. Now, there's an interesting anecdote to that. The worst week in, in Las Vegas history was when the American Physical Society had their annual meeting in Las Vegas. Oh, boy. And, and the casinos, this, is, this is a gathering of nerds, right? Right. And the casinos were like, yeah, this is going to be great. We're going to have the American Physical Society here. After that week, they had lost. Vegas lost so much money. They said we'll never allow them to host another conference here. <laughs> really? Yes, and it wasn't ironically because all these physicists, physicists were great gamblers. I mean, in the sense that they were, they just didn't play. They 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 knew that it wasn't worth it, and so Las Vegas didn't make any money off of off of them. And so, you know, Las Vegas was opening all their hotels and stuff. Giving them free food and comps and free drinks. Or, or, or and whatever. That. And they said that had been the worst week in history. They said they'll never invite the American Physical Society there again. So the first thing of an advantage player is to realize when he can't beat the game, you don't play it. I see. So they would not participate in something like roulette or craps. There are ways to even beat that game, but you have to have a certain advantage. There are ways to beat it, but it's not within the rules of the game. There's another angle to this. Yeah. The casinos often give, uh, like in the stores you get coupons, they also give coupons to gamble. So sometimes they'll give you free bets as an incentive. Or oh, you can they buy these give you free chips. Free I, chips, yeah. or you buy these uh, coupon books for like $14. and then, Or if you get, happen to get a hold of a bunch of them, and you might be able to get a whole bunch of coupons there have been teams of advantage players that have pulled their coupons and they took the casinos for millions. Or if you work out deals. They pull, oh, so a bunch of people came in, they all got their coupons and gave it to some advantage player. Is right. that right? Coupons is one way. Or they figured out the, you know, the ca- casinos were loose with their coupons, something like that. There's uh-huh. an angle. The ones where these unbeatable games where you can actually beat them is the casino worked out a, a, a deal that they didn't realize was way to advantage. So let's give an example. So in craps, the advantage I think of the house on what they call the pass line bet is like 1.4% against the player. Okay, now that's the difference between winning and losing. Is that what you mean? What's the 1.4%? I don't get that. That's a very small number. It, it's like over over the long haul. Uh, let, let's say you're betting $10 every bet. Okay. And say you, you played a bazillion hand, quote-unquote hands. On average, you'll lose 1. 1.4%. 1.4%. That's the expected okay. value. Yeah. So, okay. you know, over a million, let's say you were uh, playing dice and you're betting $10 at a time, but your total action over, like, say, a million hands, quote-unquote hands, would be $10 million. Well, you take 1.4% of that. That's how much you're expected to lose. Now, there's variance... So, so, so you have the expected value and the variance around that expected value. So you may not exactly be at 1.4%, but the law of large numbers will tell you that your expected value over over time would be 1.4% of the Isn't total that action. Interesting. Yeah. Let me ask you, as a mathematician, um, 
in something like craps, for example, is there anything such as a winning streak? Yes, yes. Just, just, but you can't, since the trials are independent, what we call Bernoulli independent trials, you can't use the streak to predict whether you're going to win or lose. And, and, and see, these are the illusionary patterns that uh, can fool people. They think they're on a roll and that the next, you know, therefore the dice, what they call the dice table being hot. You want to be there because the next, you're just going to start winning. And then you have the op- the people that look at for opposite patterns. It's like, well, this this table's just been losing and losing. It's got to win or just all sorts yeah, of things. And I've, I've, I've heard the casinos take advantage of this. One of the things they do over roulette tables is they put a list of the history of the winnings, right? And right. They, they put like, and I don't know the numbers. I'm making them up. Black 32, red 14, uh, green double zero, et cetera. And people look at this table and they think, oh, my goodness, black is overdue. Uh, we, we've right. had we've had we've had six greens in a row, so it has to come up black this time. But that has nothing to do with it. It's totally independent of the past, right? That's right. And and I still, you know, it's very hard to explain to some people the that over time, you, it's not, you know, it may work sometimes, and that's enough to make them feel that they've got a system, and it just doesn't work. I did want to complete one thing oh, because you did ask, how can you beat these unbeatable games? Let's say that in the craps, the pass line advantage of the house against you is 1.4%. Well, if they're giving you a 20% rebate on all your losses, you're going to kill the casino. And sometimes... Oh, and these come from the cards and the comps? Is that what you're saying? Or uh, Sometimes when they have what they call a whale, okay. where there's that's a customer that has a lot of money, they want to give them a big incentive and so sometimes they'll make a mistake. Okay, that's another word for my glossary. Whales. A whale. Oh, okay. yeah, we whales. have all these terms, whales. And so sometimes the way they get these whales, who actually are advantaged players, is that the player's just a really good con artist. He might have come in there and just acted like he's a total drunk and degenerate and just frivolous. He's a really good actor. And they're just like, hey, we'll give you this 20% loss rebate. So when you have a really bad night, we'll give you 20% of all your losses back. Really? Yeah. And that that's cumulative throughout the night. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay, so now where does this come into play? There was and the audience here can look at the history of someone named Don Johnson. Don Now there are a Johnson. lot of people named Don Johnson, well, but he this, was he was in Miami Vice, wasn't he? Right. That was the actor. There's the Don Johnson who cleaned out Atlantic City. So just Google it like in the last ten years. He cleaned out Atlantic City. Oh yeah, he did. Because he had this 20% loss rebate. And it was only a matter of time before his advantage started to assert itself. So the, what he did was he got a loss rebate from one casino. And then he told the other casinos, he said, look at the rebate that this guy is giving me. And so they started upping their loss rebates while he, <laughs> while he was on a losing streak. But he knew that in the end, all he needed to do, I think maybe he actually got lucky that at the start he was losing, but he had deep pockets. And so they started competing for his business because they thought he was a loser. So I guess no one bothered to analyze his playing skills, which were decent enough Yeah, that his blackjack was only playing at a loss of like half a percent. And so then he got that winning streak that was inevitable. He just needed to survive in the law of large numbers eventually kicked in and he he cleaned out some casinos. Th- th- their Their monthly revenue was negative. 
just by that one player. So I invite, I, invite, I invite the readers to, to look at that. So he actually, that's an example of an advantage player actually playing a game that was guaranteed to lose the way the style of blackjack he played without card counting. He could have done this with craps or anything, but they're giving him generous loss rebates. And so even some of these online casinos in some of the early days where they had some of these kind of these casinos that were overseas or whatever, and they weren't very sophisticated, they're offering loss rebates. I know some players who just cleaned out those casinos because the loss rebates they realized were too too generous. Yeah. They may have figured out how to have multiple accounts or something so that you know they could really run it up, but they became millionaires within a year. Uh, so these are these are some of the skills of the advantage players in their repertoire is it's not just the game, it's it's the marketing incentives and they find a, a defect in it. So for the viewers there who want to try to beat the casinos, maybe not try to do something as hard as card counting. Just look at those sort of marketing things. And then you mentioned the comps. So like if, if you play even an average game and not lose too much money, say it like the Venetian in Las Vegas, you could be put up in $400 a night suites. The Venetian is, that's one of the casinos. Yes, it's my favorite casino. Oh, it's your favorite one. Okay. Yeah, it's real classy place, nice have, and clean. Have they, have, very, have, they very ever, have they ever come to you? Yeah, I was staying in $400 a night hotel rooms wow. for, for like a week. And I, I'm just like, I think I probably only lost like $20 on their on some of their games. So there, there, there are other ways to be compensated than just the cash. And you can have, uh, there are other casinos around, around the land that are in really nice, luxurious places. And if, if you're an advantage player, you could just get a very nice discount, basically, on your travels. So there, there are other ways to kind of game the system using marketing comps. And, and, and so for, for the audience, I would recommend those. If, you know, uh, it, it takes a lot of skill and ability to actually beat it, you know, uh, like using card counting and some of these other techniques where you really have to be thinking and using your mind heavily. Whereas using the marketing comps, you can kind of play an average game and you don't have to develop a lot of the skills. And and certainly there's skills I didn't develop, like shuffle tracking. Uh, that was, that was <laughs> oh, those guys are just, they're just on another level of ability. You know, one guy, he said, yeah, you every night he would take a deck of cards and just go through all of them. He'd wake up in the morning. He'd recite the sequence. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. These guys, yeah, these guys were. As I get older, I don't know if you've ever heard it, but the long-term memory of a goldfish averages about three seconds. So I think that, <laughs> that's that's about my long-term memory. Uh, yeah, I couldn't do it overnight. Well, Sal, this has been great. Uh, we've been talking to Sal Cordova about the algorithms of gambling and how to how to beat the game. We're going to be talking to Sal about some other things in subsequent podcasts. So uh, stay tuned. Thank you, Sal. And until next time, be of good cheer. This has been Mind Matters News with your host, Robert J. Marks. Explore more at mindmatters.ai. That's mindmatters.ai. Mind Matters News is directed and edited by Austin Egbert. 
The opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the speakers. Mind Matters News is produced and copyrighted by the Walter Bradley Center for Natural and Artificial Intelligence at Discovery Institute.